Welcome to Change Nation, a program brought to you by First30Days.com. On this episode of Change Nation, Ariane talks with entrepreneur and author Mitch Thrower. Here's Ariane. Mitch Thrower, it must be said, is an overachiever. He's a 17-time Ironman triathlete and a self-described serial entrepreneur, investing and starting nearly as many companies as he's run races. Amongst others, he's the owner of Quantum Interactive, a high-end marketing and interactive branding firm, and he's also the co-founder of the Active Network and Active.com, and also a wonderful foundation. So how might someone do all of this and still have any time to sleep? Well, Mitch has graciously put together some of his very best advice into his recent book, Give Me 10 Seconds and I'll Change Your Life, and 99 Other Success Parables for Today's Work Tornado. Today on Change Nation, Mitch is here to talk to us about his book and how you can succeed and make some small yet important changes to both your career and your life. Mitch, it's a pleasure to welcome you to the show. It's great to be here, Ariane. It really is. So, Mitch, you have an extraordinary resume that could take up the entire length of this uh, this podcast. Tell me a little bit about your background and how all of these companies you've started, these races you've run, have contributed to this book and these tips that you want to share with people. Well, there's a lot that has happened in my life, and I was inspired into this crazy sport of triathlon because I fractured both my knees and had a... Uh, four knee surgeries, two on each knee, and got swept out of the world of athletics into the world of academics. And then when recovery was possible, I found this cross-training sport of triathlon when they said I could run again. And in that process, um, I had been starting a company and fell in love with this sport of triathlon, which led me to what I think is the heart of any business enterprise, and that is to be involved in something that you're really passionate about. So tell us about the book and how that sort of showed up for you in terms of the thing you're most passionate about now. Uh, A good friend, the founder of Triathlete Magazine, which was a magazine I did a leverage buyout later on, um, Bill Katowski, inspired me by approaching and said, you have to write a book. All the things that you've learned, put them down, take notes. And so for a decade, I'd been taking notes on things that if I had known 10 years ago or 20 years ago, it would have really changed um, the path or made it easier to get through some of the things that I was going through. And so I made a book and there's short vignettes followed by a lesson. And, you know, not many people have time to really blaze through a a book now, so I thought I'd condense the ideas. So let's talk about that principle of time, which I think is the number one thing that if we had more of, we feel that we would be more, do more, earn more, love more. What is the vignette? What is the lesson where we all have the same 24 hours in a day, but some people use them a lot more effectively? Uh, I'll borrow an analogy from Scott Tinley, the triathlete, who said, you have eight hours to work. Some people work more, some people work less. You have eight hours to sleep. Now, not everybody sleeps for eight hours a night. After that, you still have eight hours. And people don't realize that. So if people are working a solid eight hours and sleeping a solid eight hours, which most people aren't, then there's still eight hours to do things. And if you maximize your other eight hours, which are really all yours, uh, you can be incredibly effective. But it's hard. It's hard to maximize it because we live at the intersection of our memory and our imagination. 
And that's the great challenge in life is our imagination is infinite and we have all these directions to go, all these things to do, all these people to talk to, and it's hard to decide. So if you can focus in on what it is and what direction you want to go with your future, it's easier. I love this 888 analogy. So let's use you as an example. So I doubt (laughs) you sleep eight hours. I doubt you work eight hours. So how does how does that work for you? I I go in cycles. You know, sometimes I'll sleep for eight. Sometimes I'll sleep for four. And sometimes I'll you know work for twenty four hours straight and then sleep for you know ten or fifteen hours. Um, I think the sport of triathlon, which I love, keeps you balanced because it forces you to sleep after a you know a hard day of training and work. Then you really won't have the trouble sleeping or resetting everything. It's the clearing mechanism. Sleep, in a way, is the clearing mechanism if you let it. If you let every day be a new beginning, a new start to something that you want to change or do. So is the lesson really to take the other eight hours for dreams, for goals, for charity, for things that you've always wanted to do and to find the time for those? I think the best place to start is to really spend your eight hours on a consistent basis or a portion of those eight hours to figure out what you want, to figure out what you want from your um, work life, from your romantic life, from your um, you know, athletic life, spiritual life. And once you've decided what you want, then you can decide how to allocate those eight hours that are yours every day, even if you have you know, those other commitments. So I want to dive right into some of the chapters and some of the books, give some people (laughs) some quick tips. So here's one for sure, both personally, and I'm sure this applies to pretty much everyone listening. How do we manage so much email and so much correspondence and so many phone calls and so many text messages? It's completely overwhelming. It is overwhelming. There's a few quick tips. One is change your email every year. That's a very difficult thing because people think of their email as a phone number where, oh, I can't change my email, then people won't have my email. And the first tip in being able to do that is to keep track of all your user profiles. So we have um, parts of our identity all over the world at United Airlines, at Alamo Rental Car, and you need to keep track of your username and passwords. And then you need to use the fact that anyone that's going to try and contact you through email, you can change it quickly which will eliminate spam. It'll also force you into kind of a clearing mechanism for the people you interact with in your daily life. Because most people have echoes and legacy relationships that they really shouldn't be in or don't want to be in any longer. And when they can get to you, somehow, some way, they're going to distract you. Here's another one. How do you multitask effectively as opposed to procrastinate or do too much, too little? A tip, a quick tip in multitasking is for people to save their place. When people read a book, they'll fold down the book when they stop. And often in life, people multitask and they go from one conversation to another conversation or one task to another, but they never mark where they were and where they need to go back to and how important it is and what priority and things. So that's just a quick tip on multitasking. Remember where you were when you stopped. I'm going to keep going. (laughs) How do you keep your energy high at work in environments that are stressful, where you don't necessarily like the people you're working with, and the energy slumps? 
the energy slumps. And you know, you know those people that are kind of energy vampires. When you're around them, you're just like, oh, you know, your whole body is drained. One thing is to stay away from energy vampires to the extent that you can. And another is to, you know, be careful with your diet and your exercise. Time your day as best as you can because, I mean, everything happens during the day and it's a confusing um, existence when you're at work. But make sure you're very careful with how you are spending your time with other people at work. What do you think the biggest mistakes are that people make at work that are not obvious to them, that are in their blind spot? I lecture at a few universities and something that a lot of students are scared about when they go out into life is this the world of the cubicles, the world of the office, um, the TV show The Office. And I think my recommendation for that environment in the work environment is for people to look at their job as an incredible opportunity and to go and interview have coffee with everyone in the company. People forget that the diamond mines of information exist in the people around them. And so they stop hunting for diamonds. They stop looking for diamonds. You know, interview everyone that you work with. If you're in an organization, you have a, a, the essence of human relationships is common experience. And you have the opportunity to have a common experience shared, you know, lunch, coffee, and say, hey, what have you learned here? What do you, what do you love in life, et cetera? How do you get noticed, get promoted. I think people always would like to feel they are being acknowledged more. They are being given credit for how hard everyone really is working. And corporate culture is a very unique and sometimes unfortunate experience because it's a blame-placing, credit-taking culture. When something goes wrong, the blame gets placed on someone else. When something goes right, hey, <laughs> you know, I did that. And I think... In a work relationship, the simple answer is pay particular attention to how you're adding value to your company and make sure that that's communicated in a non-threatening way to the people that it matters to. How are you adding value to the bottom line of the business? If you are making you know, $50,000, $100,000, $250,000 a year, make sure you know how you're adding that much value back to the organization and then communicate that to the people that you know it matters to. Here's another one. I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to say to this one. The number one way that you manage stress with all the businesses, tasks, goals, dreams, books, I'm guessing is through triathlons. Is <laughs> your recommendation out. for people to at least just do some sort of exercise? Is that your biggest stress recommender? It is, but it's very important that the, it's the way you exercise. If people stress out about the fact that they have a proposal due tomorrow and they've got to get their run in before the proposal, they're just going to be accelerating their stress levels. Oh, I have to exercise. I have to exercise. If you say, I'm going to go and exercise and take deep breaths, I think that's why so many people smoke. It's because they want to walk out of the office and take you know 30 or 40 or however many deep breaths people take when they smoke. I wish they just had little empty tubes that they could go out of the office and you know breathe through. But the impact of exercising regularly or just taking time to reset your clock. You know what happens to your computer when you have too many programs open, too many things going on? It freezes. Well, the human mind is like the computer, and, you know, vastly more neurological connections than a supercomputer. So you have to reboot. So it's very rare. I, I haven't met. I don't know if I've met anyone who is probably equally as accomplished in 
an athletic endeavor and in business. What are, what's the common link between the two? What do you think makes you as effective in one as the other? What lessons have you learned from being both? A lot of questions. A lot of questions. Okay. Um, I think sport and maybe particularly the sport of triathlon or a marathon or an event that you have to register for in advance and then plan a you know the way to do it. I never thought I'd be able to run a, a marathon. Never thought I'd be able to run a, a Ironman. And you know, especially when I lost the capacity to walk and was hobbling around on crutches and mountain biking with one leg on the campus. But um, sport teaches you to break down anything you're trying to achieve into smaller, measurable steps in the direction of your goal. And it also teaches you that you're not going to have your marathon tomorrow. It's in six months. It's in a year. So you have a goal that's way out there that you're working towards. And unfortunate to our society and our business, we're an instant gratification culture. All people want is they want it. They want it right now. You can get to anything online. You can get, you know, you see instant success stories on in the web and people are like, well, I need, you know, of course. And people feel entitled to get it instantly. And sport teaches you that it's not an instant process. It takes a, I don't remember who said it, but it takes a lifetime to make an overnight success. Yes, it does. <laughs> what about all the businesses that you've started? How do you get the idea? How do you find the courage to go ahead and actually start them and execute them. I mean, we've all had several business ideas and so few people actually go ahead and believe they can do it and get started on them. What would you tell people? Well, you have a great first 30 days program, which discusses, you know, kind of that first stage of transition or the experience. And, um, I have a friend who has an analogy about waking up in the morning and, it's like waking up in the morning or maybe even getting in the swimming pool. The first few seconds are always so hard. Getting up, the alarm clock goes off. Do you want to wake up or do you want to hit the snooze button? I'd still like to meet the guy that invent, invented the snooze button. He's the bad person. You must be called Mr. Snooze. <laughs> he must be called oh, Mr. He must snooze. Be. <laughs> There's something going on there. But I know if you can get through that first five minutes in the morning, you're not going to regret the fact that you're at a wonderful breakfast. If you can make it through that first few seconds in the pool of that discomfort, you're going to be very happy that you're in the swimming pool. Um, and it's the same with business. If you can make the decision to start the company, actually take the action steps to start the company, which I believe are telling everyone your idea. You have all kinds of people. My, my dad, greatest man on earth, he said, I've got a great idea, but don't tell anybody. That's not the right formula. I think success comes when you get out there and tell people your idea. Now, I'm not saying send a business plan to Microsoft without, without talking to them about it, but I am saying be very proactive and tell everyone your idea because then the universe will kind of open up and people will help you. So talk to us about one of your businesses currently. How did it start? How did you execute it? Where is it at today? Just to give us an example of what it took to really get started. Well, the magazine, Triathlete Magazine, um, I started a investment company to do a leveraged buyout of Triathlete Magazine and of course didn't have the money to buy a Triathlete Magazine at the time so convinced the owners to uh, let a business partner and I buy it over time with the profits we were generating from it. And it's the, you know, the classic capital problem people have with their business is something that you need to be creative. Be creative and that's probably the lesson there is 
figure out other ways. If you don't have the money to start a business, then you know, come up with an idea for the antibacterial pen. Call China, you know, come up with a prototype for you know four dollars, and then go sell it to Starbucks. And then Starbucks suddenly has antibacterial pens that you've sold them, you know, fifty thousand units a year of, and you haven't had to put up a dollar of capital. You know, we live in a world where there are sites like Guru.com and you know Elance where you can put your skill set out there or your business out there and actually just make it happen instantly. So be proactive in figuring out how you can start a business with or without the resources. Um, do you believe so, anyone can start a business? I do. Anyone can start a business. Because everyone's creative? It depends on the business. Everyone has a business in them, just like I think everyone has a book in them. Everyone should write a book about their experience, and everyone should start a business of some kind, especially with the interactive, instant you know, credit card processing capacity that businesses have today. Tell us about the experience of um, writing a book for you. Was it was it an easy change? Was it something that came very naturally for you? For anyone listening who their business idea actually is to become an author, what would you tell them? Well, I got pulled into it. A funny story, actually. My editor, Bill, who convinced me to do the book, had said, you have to do this book. And I said, okay, let's do the book. Let's set his calendar out. And I am very uptight about deadlines. And so before each deadline, I was letting Bill know, I'm never going to make that deadline. We were involved in a transaction to buy a business. This is when I was uh, starting um, Active Europe, which is the registration company like Active.com, which is Ticketmaster for participatory sports. And so it was so busy. And I missed each of the deadlines. And I said, Bill, I'm going to miss the deadline, miss the deadline. And he said, you have to do the book. And he got really upset, more upset than I've ever seen him before. And then he finally sent me an email, and in the catalog for the publishing company that they had sent out was my book that I hadn't written yet. So <laughs> that, was, that was how I got Leverage. dragged into the writing the book process. But set the deadline for yourself and associate yourself with a good editor that you enjoy working with, and you can bounce ideas back and forth. A lot of people aren't good writers, and all they need to do is get a good editor to get their ideas out there. So you mentioned before we started the show that this book is actually the beginning of a whole other series of books. It is. Um, the book, Give Me 10 Seconds and I'll Change Your Life, which is a, a second edition of the original title, which was The Attention Deficit Workplace. It has 40 additional chapters, uh, but it's a part of a series. And the second book in the series is Give Me 10 Seconds and I'll Change Your Dating Life. And is that book written? Uh, that's halfway written, halfway which written? I'm happy to say. We'll have you back on for that one as well. <laughs> okay, for great. Sure. So when people yeah. talk to you and you mention that book, do a lot of people kind of put you on the spot and say, okay, go ahead, you've got 10 seconds? Right, they do. They say, and are you about to do that? Yeah, <laughs> you've go got ahead. 10 seconds change to change my, my dating life. You're going to tell me to go do an Ironman, I know. That's my 10 seconds. <laughs> um is there something, something that works for everyone in a 10 seconds? Is there something, is there sort of a core message for people that... In your dating it, world, yes. The first thing would be in 10 seconds, I would advise everyone to imagine that every email they've written is forwarded to six people from everyone they send it to. Was that 10 seconds? <laughs> give, us a, give me another one. Another one. Um, don't believe that who's contacting you is actually the person that's contacting you. I'll give you an example. I have a, a great friend who um, was engaged, wonderful woman, and he thought she was having an affair. He went online, 
created a fake Hotmail account, which was her name with one letter missing or one letter different. I don't remember. And he sent an email to the man with whom he suspected she was having an affair that simply said, my computer crashed and I've lost our last year of correspondence. Will you forward it to me? Wow. It was an unbelievably challenging thing for him to go through with his fiance, former fiance, obviously, to find out what had happened. And we live in a world where we believe when someone sends us an instant messenger that it's them because it has their name on it. No one confirms who it is. So be relentless with your own, not just your security on your computer, but with when you're interacting with the world. Mitch, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you on the show, sharing your tips. There's so much more. I mean, we could keep talking and do this for hours. I want to encourage everyone to go get his book, which is Give Me 10 Seconds and I'll Change Your Life and 99 Other Success Parables for Today's Work Tornado. Also to encourage people to go check out your website, active.com. And the foundation is? It's actually projectactive.org. Projectactive.org. And for more information, more inspiration, more interviews with wonderful change agents and change optimists like Mitch, please visit us at first30days.com. Mitch, thank you. Thanks so much. I'm a big fan of your program. Thank you. Thank you.